Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. Welcome to episode 106 of Ride Around the Road. As we come to the end of our 30 days to better writing habits over at our uh, Facebook page, where we've been doing Facebook Lives for the last 30 days, and it's been huge. It's been so much fun, and I've learnt so much as I've dragged out all my old writing books, and I've dragged out all my notepads and journals, and passed on all my all my font of wisdom, I guess if you'd like, and inspire everybody else. I hope so. Inspire myself. I certainly did, and I've written more in the last 30 days than I've written, I think, in 12 months. So that's been really exciting. Uh, we're following up with a free. A free webinar, Get Your Novel Written, next Thursday at 9am, the 8th of March. So if you know anyone who wants to start their novel, get them to join us as, as we run through what it takes to get our novels written. Now we know we have lots of guests on our podcast who share their wisdom all the time, so we know how to do it, but the trick is sitting down and actually getting started and doing it for ourselves. So webinar next Thursday, 9am. Hopefully we can get some novels drafted and finished it so that we actually can experience the the end uh, experience as well. So that's that's our purpose behind that one. If you haven't received uh, your free copy of the Voices in Your Head writing guidelines, uh, we've actually finally gotten around to getting a professional cover designer to to do that one for us. Uh, Sam and I had our own go and Sam did an amazing job, but we figured it was time to give the give it a proper dress so now it's got its professional cover sign up to the newsletter and you get that one for free over at Rider on the Road uh, I'm finishing off a trilogy finish off a trilogy of middle grade novels that I've been writing with my co-author and brother Richard it's his birthday coming up next week and I thought he's waited so very patiently for me to finish off the third novel I thought I might publish those uh, as, a, as a birthday present for him I think he's been waiting over 12 months for those ones to be finished as well We've had the first two finished for some time, but number three got held up in the works as I turned it into a box set. So these things are keeping me busy nowadays. Along with that, we've moved into the big city and we're now city chicks. And that has been one of the most exhausting experiences I've ever been through. And I hope I never have to move again. I hope I can stay in the big city forever or till I get bored of it, which could happen sooner rather than later as well but for now we're, we live very close to the Roma Street Parklands here in the city and every day I get to walk my daughter down to the train station and see her off to school and then I come home and write uh, and that's been one of the benefits of those 30 days to better writing habits. I don't think I've got up to Tracy Peterson's um, million words yet but I have made a start and I think I'm up to about 30,000 words which makes me really happy. Uh, we're still uh, hunting down iTunes reviews. Uh, now, the podcast has just gone crazy, and I have absolutely no idea why. Uh, now, we've been going for nearly 18 months, and we've always had a steady listenership, and we've always got what I consider to be fairly good downloads, but now that's increasing hand over fist, and the more it increases, the more it increases, so I'm really happy with that as it gets our Australian Aussie Australian Aussie Aussie authors names out there which is what we want to do as well uh, that's it from me and my news but what I've got happening today is something that really really excited me when I recorded this next uh, podcast interview with uh, Barbara Licious is her name and she's what's known as an influencer in the digital nomad space now Barbara is an amazing lady and she had so much uh, to share with us uh, during this conversation 
she has travelled 50 countries in three years. She's got 15, oh, 16 books out. And she says, what makes us happy is not our material possessions, but what we give back. And she's living that dream. She travels around the world. Um, she works in co-working spaces, uh, which is something that's just about to take off here in Australia. I saw something on the news the other day how people are starting to invest in co-working spaces. So we'll hear a lot more about those kinds of things, I'm sure, in the coming months. And it's something that I've always been interested in as a as a bit of a nomad on the road in the caravan myself, I'm always looking for stable internet and I'm always looking for somewhere to work. So I'm hoping that co-working spaces do take off uh, on the off chance that I ever get to, to get back on the road and do some more travelling. Uh, now, Barbara has lots to tell us. Uh, and if you'd like to, to maybe have a pen and paper beside you, because she talks about, excuse me, how to make money while travelling. And that's something that really interests us. And now she's she's paid for all her travels uh, through her her writing, and she's got affiliate links. She's got sponsored posts. She's got her guidebooks now, sixteen books in two years, and she chooses to continue to travel and continue to create. Uh, there's certainly something in this one for everyone. And I remember when I recorded it, I just wanted to run off and go with her. So sit back, have a listen. Uh, looking forward to hearing your thoughts. And travel writing, if anyone's interested, is certainly a fun way to go and you can certainly make um, make a living out of it. I think we had Lindy Alexander on a few weeks ago and she told us all about it and now we've got Barbara Licious and in the next few weeks we've got the cooking ladies. All these people are living the dream and, and living it very comfortably. Thank you very much. One day it'll be our turn. Welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Everybody, I'd like to introduce you to a lady by the beautiful name of Barbara Licious. How are you, Barbara? Hi, Melinda. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Everyone, I have found this beautiful, beautiful lady who's originally from Germany but is now currently travelling in Thailand simply because when I grow up I want to be just like her. Her her website is called Barbaralicious, the travel blog for digital nomads and online workers. Now, if that doesn't tell you why I have got this lady on the podcast, nothing will. Barbara, you are currently in Thailand and I'm guessing working from there. Yes, exactly. So first of all, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to speak to you today. And yes, I've been to Bali for the last month during New Year's and um, the Christmas holidays. And yesterday I came here to Thailand because I just love Thailand. And I'm in Chiang Mai again. Chiang Mai, as most of you probably know, is the digital nomad capital so I'm at home now. <laughs> I'm just where all my friends are. And yeah, Bali was kind of the same, but Chiang Mai is a little bit more the cop capital of the world for us. So yes, I'm at home. All right. Now the very first thing, now there's a lot to unpack in this, everybody. Stick with us. Anyone who wants to travel and make money on the way, um, Barbara's going to help us do it. Now, um, my family and I are off. Uh, we're going to try this this year, Barbara. So we're very, very keen to pick your brain and find out how to do it. Uh, sure. Now you say, the first thing you say is Chiang Mai is the digital nomad capital of the world. Like we should know that. How do we know that and why is it? <laughs> Um, so why is it? Let's start with this question. Well, the weather is lovely. The community is amazing. There are co-working spaces everywhere. 
cafe, beautiful cafes with super stable and fast Wi-Fi. It's just amazing to work from here. Costs of living are pretty low. It's one of the lowest uh, levels here in Thailand. And um, so it's it's just a lot of fun to to live, work, and travel in this beautiful country, and especially in Chiang Mai, it's it's just amazing. And I said, like you know, because um, I thought it it's well known that that Chiang Mai is the digital nomad capital, but maybe it's just because I'm I'm always traveling with other digital nomads and for us it's clear so i apologize if that's not the case for others (laughs) all right everybody i'm hooked um i live in brisbane australia and we do not have a cheap cost of living uh quite often the people are friendly so we've got that part going for it but it's very very expensive and as for a stable Mm. fast internet forget it all right so everyone (laughs) everyone who's on nbn here in australia we're all moving to thailand uh now uh you take very much for granted your lifestyle and it's i guess it's a lot like us uh who are in the indie publishing world we think everybody's doing it but actually in fact you're probably uh, a very small percentage of the world so it's usually people who i guess are those millennial age groups who who are out there uh traveling but i'm guessing there's some families as well Everybody can do it. There is no, yeah, no target group that is not included. Let's put it like that. So we have, we have couples, we have singles, we have um, old people, young people, families with children. We have everything. Everybody can do it. There are no limits, and it's just if if it makes you happy, do it. Yeah, if it and, makes and sense. never think it's that you're too old or if you want it, you can do it. Yeah, now she's looking at me when she says that. Everybody, uh, <laughs> I love it. It's not <laughs> this, true. <laughs> this beautiful young lady having this wonderful life in this beautiful country. Uh, now you say the word we. Uh, now, this digital nomad community, like any community that's springing up online, even though we do everything online, we do develop communities, don't we? So let's touch on community for a little moment. Sure. So, yeah, the digital nomad community is growing pretty quickly. I've been living like this for a bit more than three years now, three years and three months, more or less. Um, and I started researching about the lifestyle yeah, more than three years and a half ago. And um, it has grown a lot in that time, I have to say. And now wherever you go, like if you know where the hotspots are, if you go to Chiang Mai, if you go to Bali, if you go to Kelantan, Thailand, that's another hotspot. Or if you go to Saigon, if you go to even Singapore, although it's pretty expensive, it has a, it has an okay community. Or if you go to Latin America, to Medellin, which is the hotspot number one in Latin America, it's a great community. You you go to the mainly co-working spaces or you search um, on Facebook, for example, for the digital nomad groups, and you will find so many events. We do meetups. We do skill shares. Uh, we do trips together, day trips. For example, we travel together. Sometimes when you when you get along very well, you decide to become travel companions for a while. 
And that is so amazing to to share the same lifestyle, to share the share the same passions, and then yeah, for a while sharing life together. Yeah. Okay. I'm hooked. We're heading to Saigon later this year. Um, and I've got two teenage daughters, um, 15 and 18, and we're very keen. I'm going to be working remotely when I'm over there. So I'm, I was going to mm-hmm. sort of sneak a private question and say, where do I find a uh, co-working space in um, Vietnam? But you've answered that question. So I'm going to land in Saigon. I'm, yep. Can I jump in? Yep. I, <laughs> I'm just publishing like literally right now the Saigon guide for digital nomads so you will have all the information in there it's uh it's being published in well I uploaded it today but give it another three days I would say and then you have all the information you will know where to go out where to where the co-working spaces are the cafes with wi-fi great restaurants Vietnamese and international food which district to stay in you will have all the information and Please, please go dance salsa for me because it's amazing in Saigon. Uh, well, there you go, everybody. That's the end of our podcast for day. Thank you for coming. <laughs> We've got everything we need to know. No. <laughs> All right. So, look, seriously, you are making a living and quite a good living, I should imagine. Um, and I'm not talking about money necessarily, but a good quality lifestyle doing what you're doing, but you're making enough money to do it. Now, you're publishing books at the moment. Now, I can see um, a few books here. We've got Travelling on a Low Budget, which um, appeals to all of us, Uh, and that's Travelling Well and Treating um, the People in the Countries that You Visit Well, which is important as well. It's not about ripping people off. It's about doing the right thing and travelling with respect, I should imagine. Travelling solo, which is really, really interesting because you're a young lady travelling on your own, so you've got to think about safety, and we old ladies got to think of that as well. And then your city guides so what got you on this journey of publishing books because what a fantastic idea um i actually always wanted to publish books and write books um even when i was a child i remember when i was at high school that my my german teachers always told me that i have um that i always wrote about wrong topics but the way that i wrote about it was it was just so good that they never gave me bad marks. So um, I always wanted to write and become a writer. I don't know why in the end I decided to study languages at university and and not um, journalism or so, but that's how it went. And it still brought me to where I am, which is publishing books. And at the moment I publish at least one book per month. This month it will be like four or five not sure yet. <laughs> um, and I even started because it's, it's getting so much. And the like, let's say the brand of the City Guides for Digital Nomads is getting so big that I started working with co-authors. Um, I think in total, I published 16 books in the last two years. And... Um, Many of them, except the city guides, they're only available in English, but all the others are available in four or five languages. So so I even published the translations to it. Um, I was working with translators. I didn't do that myself, although I'm a translator. <laughs> and, um, 
And yeah, now I'm working with co-authors because I would like to publish more, but I can't write faster and do everything on my own. So I decided, and I want to put out all this knowledge about Cities for Digital Nomads. I think that's really, really helpful. And I, I want to, um, yeah, help newbie digital nomads or you know, people who want to become digital nomads to help finding the perfect for them and I want them to know before they go to a place like you say I, I want to go to Saigon but I don't know where, what, how I don't know um, I want to tell those people what they can expect and then maybe decide even before they go if that's not the right place it, it can be, Saigon is not for everybody I loved it but maybe it's not your place but if you read my Kuala Lumpur guide maybe you're like oh my god I think Kuala Lumpur is my city so that's why I want to help people, why I want to help other digital nomads, so they can have the perfect day that fits their needs. Yeah. Now, everybody, we're talking um, business now. Um, as much as I want to get sidetracked into all the travelling, I am going to behave myself. We're talking about building a brand. Now, tell us yeah. how that came about. Did you fall into that accidentally or was that deliberate? Is this, is this a strategy? No. Uh, well, now it's strategy but it, it was just uh yeah by chance let's put it like that i i always wanted to write that's true and i started that blog and then i wrote my first book was about my trip around the world it was kind of the start for my nomad life and um and then i realized i want to write more but i don't know i, I didn't really know what to write it's not that i didn't know at all what to write. It was just that everything that I had in my head was, it was so much that I knew I, I can't start a new book now because if I start, I will be writing for two months and can't do anything else. And that's, that's not efficient because I need somehow to earn money. And um, this book in the two months that I'm writing, it won't bring me money. So I needed to find another solution. So I was just going on with my blog and always postponing new books. So actually, um, after my first book that I published in September two years ago, it was, uh, I think, three months until I published my second book. But after that, it was a year until I published my third book. So in this year, I was just thinking, what can I do? What's useful for others and what's good for me um, in, in which, like, let's say, niche can I can put out a lot of knowledge? and a lot of useful information. So then I started at some point writing about countries on my blog for digital nomads. So I, I, I was putting all the information about SIM cards and Wi-Fi and stuff. But I realized it's, a country can be super big. And even if they know how it works with SIM cards, like let's, let's, let's talk about Brazil. In every day, I don't know how many states they have, but in every state, it's, it's different. So it's impossible to write about Brazil and giving somebody who's going to Rio the, the right information if I have been to Salvador de Bahia, for example. So I realized it, it's a good thing to start, but that's not enough. But if I want to go into detail, it's getting too much for just a blog post and to offer this information for free because I, w I would put in a lot of work. 
And that's when I um, came up with the idea of publishing a Palermo guide. Palermo is um, the capital of Sicily in Italy. My mother's from there. So that's the place where I've, yeah, I've been traveling to my whole life. Um, I kind of grew up there. I've never really lived there, but on every vacation, every year, several times I went there with my family. I have family there, so I know this place very, very well. And um, in 2016, I spent three months as a nomad working from co-working spaces there. So that was the point where I was like, okay, now I know so much about this place, not only from the perspective of, of a local, but as well from the per perspective of a digital nomad, that I can write a book about it. And I did that and was, I, I wouldn't say a great success, but... Everybody who read it was like, oh, my God, Barbara, that, that's so useful. That's so great. I, now I want to go there. I was like, well, that's what I want to do. I want to inspire people to, to explore a place, to discover a place, and, and to, to see the beauty of it and, and, yeah, wanting to go there, right? So after that, I decided to change my whole concept of traveling and stay one month in every place to be able to get to know it from different uh, perspectives and then write a book about it. It's pretty tough to have just one month for a place, especially if you have never been there before, but it's doable. Yeah. Are you going to slow down? Because that sounds like a horrendous schedule. Oh, look, I admire you and I'm going to go back to what we were talking about in a minute, but I thought yeah. a month in a place, is it isn't very long. Um, it was long for me by then, um, so that was a bit more than a year ago when I decided that. Um, till then, I, I was having a huge travel bug by then. Um, and I was traveling super quickly. Everybody was telling me, Barbara, you're going to burn out if you don't slow down. And I was like, always like, no, 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 I can do it. I want to see this and that. And I, I was so eager to see the whole world, you know. Um, I mean, in those three years, I've traveled to... Oh my God, 50 countries, 40, something between 45 and 50 countries. I know it's, it's insane. Um, and I always tried to, to see as much as possible because I always wanted to write about it for my blog, right? So I, I was even doing vlogs at some point. So I was, I was there in the middle of Mexico with the camera in front of like in the selfie mode and talking about cenotes or or the co-working, I went to the co-working spaces and interviewed the owners and stuff. And it was just amazing. But um, with the new idea of writing books about the places and not just a blog post with 500 words or just a video where I can tell people for two minutes um, about the weather and the, the sites that I visited, um, I needed to slow down. And by then, one month in every place was already a long time for me. It's not long if you consider you have to write a book about it, but it was long for me. Now I have to admit that three years and three months of traveling in this pace, um, I wouldn't say I'm burned out, but I really feel that I want to stay longer in one place, two, three months, maybe even half a year somewhere like Chiang Mai now I'm here for I will be here for three weeks only and I really 
I wouldn't say I regret it because I will do a house it in Singapore afterwards and I'm really looking forward to it. But if I could, I would love to stay longer. I would really, really love to stay for a few months here. And, and have a rest. The person who I, I know of that does um, what you do or I assume does mm-hmm. is um, she's known as the suitcase entrepreneur out of New Zealand. Now I'm assuming you would know her or know Not of her. Not personally, but yeah, yeah she's, she's pretty famous. Yeah, so, um, and I've forgotten her name, Natalie Sisson, I think it is, Natalie Sisson from mm-hmm. New Zealand, uh, and yeah. I used to listen to her podcast, and she'd be gallivanting all over the place like you. Now she has slowed down, and she's, I think she's developed a a deep, deeply spirit, spiritual bent, and she's got herself a retreat with her partner in New Zealand, and she never thought she would stop, and now her lifestyle has changed completely, and she's earning her money in a different way now. I know she does retreats and coaching and courses. Do you think that your journey, you started publishing books, you're putting out all these guides, which I'm very excited about because I can, I can use for my <laughs> personal thing, um, writing deeper books, or can you imagine you earning your money in, in some other way? Um, as you move forward? Well, at this very moment, I can't imagine another way of living. But never say never. Like four years ago, if you told me that I was going to be a digital nomad traveling the world and writing books, I would have said, sorry, uh, you're talking about somebody else. That's not me. It's impossible. So, yeah, why not? Maybe in 2020, my life looks completely different again I don't know yeah and um do you make money out of your blog have you yes yeah so how I do advertisement yeah that so it's purely from advertising um well is there another way to earn money with a blog except advertising I didn't know about everything is yeah yeah, affiliate links are advertisement too okay I knew that Okay. So, affiliate, well, well yeah. you're 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 putting a link to to a partner you're working with, so you're kind of advertising this the shop, the store, the the product, whatever. So, an affiliate link is always it's it's less uh, obvious, but it's still for me, it's still the same category. Yeah. Okay. And um, overt advertising is where you have something on your blog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I have affiliate links. I don't have banners anymore. I have banners, but um, I don't want people to think that my blog is just an advertisement platform and nothing else. So I put them down. And um, I do sponsored posts so people can pay me to to test their product, to go on a trip for them, kind of, and write about it. That sounds like a so damn fine idea. I think I think you should go on a trip for them on their behalf and then write about it. Tell us about. I'm going to sidetrack again, everyone. Tell us about some of your best sponsored trips. My best sponsored trips. Um, I think the best one was three weeks in Israel, traveling around whole Israel. It was amazing. I was working with the Israeli Hostel Association. I was staying only in hostels, but you have no idea how amazing hostels in Israel are, seriously. Definitely hotel standards. Um, yeah, and I, I just had a, a really fun time. And Israel is such a, um, it's a unique country with all the different landscapes from desert to the mountain area. I was 
one day I was in the snow, the next day I was in the hot desert. It was freaking amazing. And, and the history and uh, Jerusalem and Nazareth, it was breathtaking, seriously. And everybody, you heard it here first. Um, we are going to go to Israel. See, I don't even think of those countries because I don't even know to go there. Now, you're a translator. Uh, you've got a university degree in mm -hmm. translation. How many languages can you translate? Uh, the degree the, mm -hmm. the degree is um, only in uh, Italian, Spanish and German. Um, I did a year of English as well, but I didn't do the degree in English in the end. And um, I learned as well Portuguese and French, but I don't really translate uh, from those languages. Yeah, now that's interesting because Italian and Spanish and Portuguese and French, I'm just writing these down, uh, mm -hmm. they're all very similar, but German is different, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. German is a Germanic language, exactly. Yeah, so that that's a different skill set altogether and then you combine English and it's a nightmare um, compared to the French, isn't it? It's not a nightmare, no. Um, it's, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> For me it's not a nightmare, no. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I'm going back to my rudimentary French here, everybody, and I remember all the grammar and I can write and read it, I just can't speak it. And being able to have the French version was quite easy. Then you come back to the English and there's three or four translations and you go, why can't it all be as easy as, you know, the French? And then sometimes yeah. I can pick up a bit of Italian and I've been told that it's similar in Spanish as well, um, but German mm -hmm. languages are beyond me. Um, now you talk about co-working spaces. I'm interested in co-working mm -hmm. spaces. Is there money to be made from people setting up? Is it is it local people who set up the co-working spaces or are international people moving in and setting them up? Both. Um, I think it depends very much on where you're looking at. I was in co-working spaces, I don't know, in Chile, for example, locals. In Bali... Mm, travelers, other nomads, I think the co-working spaces that I can think of now are all run by, by foreigners. Um, here in Thailand, mainly foreigners, but I think I saw one or two co-working spaces run by locals as well. So it's, it's, it's mixed up. Yeah. So what does it cost? In Europe, yeah. for example, it's more locals. In, yeah. in Asia, maybe it's more foreigners. Yeah, we have a lot of Australians over in Asia, um, mm. loving it, living there um, because it's the cost of living so high in Australia, I think. Sure. Uh, and I know when we go to Vietnam that we can have a very nice time for a month with for not a lot of money, um, which is which is interesting. Now, you talk about um, co-working spaces. If I go over there, what's it going to cost me? And I know this will vary, but it's it's not a high dollar, is yeah. it? Yeah. No. It, it, I, I, I can't give you a number. Um, I know co-working spaces that are even for free or on donation. So there, there's everything between zero and 250 USD a month. Mm. So there's, there's everything, yeah. depending on what you want, what you're willing to pay. I was um, just testing um, co-working spaces in Ubud, one of the nomad hotspots in Bali, and um, they have... Three co two real co-working spaces and one co-working cafe. They have like a whole building where they 
have the co-working space. They call it like that. And that one is completely on donation. They even have a pool. They have service because it's a kind of restaurant, cafe restaurant. It's amazing. It's seriously amazing. And you can just go there, work in peace. It's super calm. You can relax um, at the pool for an hour or however long you want. Um, and if you enjoyed it, you give a donation. And if you didn't, you don't. Yeah, but no, it's interesting. I, I think if, if 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 you can choose yourself, you you're willing to pay more as well. Yeah, and I think as you said, having fast, stable internet is is sort of um, mandatory now. We need it wherever we yeah. go. Uh, once upon yeah. a time, back in the olden days, way before you were born, uh, backpacking hostels were all the trend. Um, I'm wondering whether now that back Packing hostels are sort of taking a bit of a back burner as people learn that they can stay travelling longer and so they're, they're seeking out these um, co-working spaces instead and then just finding somewhere um, cheap to crash out at night. Yeah. Um, I think the last time that I was staying in a hostel was um, actually in Bali last time that I was there. So, yeah, like seven, eight months ago. It was just yep. one night, and and I was like, mm, okay, that was probably my last night in a hostel. I'm I'm not really a fan of dorms anymore, mainly because I like to know that my equipment is safe. I'm traveling with um, a very expensive camera, uh, with my MacBook, with uh, my headphones that I'm wearing at the moment that are pretty expensive too, um, and I don't want to carry everything with me around all the time. And I want it to be safe. And in a hostel, you, I mean, it, it can happen everywhere. I know that. And every nomad is aware of that, I think. But um, a hostel is still a bit different. So most of the nomads that I know um, either choose Airbnb or um, search for accommodation when they are in the place to talk to locals. Which is another way you you already mentioned like traveling respectfully with the local community. So if you're when you're there and you talk to locals and then in the end you decide to stay at a homestay, for example, or you rent an apartment, a studio uh, rented out by a local, you're supporting the local community. So I would always opt for that. Yeah. Are there any tricks not to? to um, overpaying or finding that your accommodation is not what you want. When you go into a place and, because I'm going to rent an apartment in Saigon, hopefully, or in Vietnam somewhere, how do you go about that? Would you stay in an Airbnb to start with and then seek out somewhere local to rent an apartment? You'd have, you'd have to be tread fairly carefully, I should imagine. Someone like me is bound to pick the wrong spot at the wrong time and get myself murdered. How do you go about it? Murdered? Oh, that, that, uh... <laughs> no, not really murdered. I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice my children. Take them first. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, I I normally book like an Airbnb for a few nights and then I search locally. But I don't know. I'm maybe I'm naive. Call me naive. But um, I'm. I think if you. Uh, behave respectfully people will treat you respectfully yeah and I think that's the same wherever we travel doesn't even matter if we're in Australia as well and I guess mm -hmm. you could go to the co-working spaces and you would meet peers yeah. who could uh, recommend places for you absolutely absolutely yes 
Yeah. Uh, TripAdvisor and Lonely Planet Guides and all those kinds of things, are they still as popular as they were or do we ignore those a bit nowadays? Yeah, actually we do. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know any nomad who's using them. Yeah, only because they'd be out of date by the time you got them. Being able to indie publish and be very nimble with your guides, and I'm looking at a list of them here, everybody, on um, Barbara's website, which I will reference at the end. Uh, some of these places I can't even pronounce. Uh, I can pronounce Dubai, Kuala Lumpur, uh, Chiang Mai, which is where you are, Singapore, Budapest, Frankfurt, Bucharest, is it? Yeah. Yeah, Bucharest. And some of the other ones I've never heard. I don't even know where Cabaretta is. It's the Dominican Republic. See, I knew that, everybody. I am just making such a fool of myself here. <laughs> Guys, we've got to get out and do this. Indie publishing, being nimble, being able to publish quickly. You said you put up uh, your Saigon Guide today. Talk us through that process. You're writing a lot of books. You're writing them very quickly and you want to get them out. What's your mm -hmm. publishing um, tricks and tips to, to get something up so that we can buy it? Uh, and you can probably update it and change it if you wanted to. What, what process yeah. do you use? Um, I don't know if I have a real process. So I, I just write it in a Word document, super easy and nothing special, no program, no tool needed for that. Um, I bought a book. Well, I think it was actually for free, Amazon, um, because I publish only with Amazon. There are different um, services for that, but I decided to use Amazon. Um, and they they published an ebook about self publishing with Amazon. So um, I got that, and to prepare my very first ebook took me probably a week. Now it's one hour or so. Um, so yeah, I really got this whole process down to a, to a minimum of time. And so I just write it in my Word document. In the end, I go through it and check if all the headlines are um, marked in a correct way, if the spaces are correct, um, if all the legal information is there, because especially being from Germany, I don't know if you heard of that, at the other side of the world, we have some special laws over there. Um, and um, I still have my residency in Germany, so I have to be a bit careful with that. So I, I check all this and then I simply um, hit on create a new book I think it's called create a new ebook in my in my back end the Amazon self-publishing service is called KDP Kindle Direct Publishing yep. um, and I have my bookshelf in there and when I click on create new ebook um, a whole mask opens and I just Fill in, type in the title, subtitle, author, um, other collaborators like, I don't know, phot photographer, um, translator, editor, whatever. Um, then I have the description that's visible next to the book on Amazon. Then I have to upload the manuscript. I have to upload the cover. And um, then I put the price hit publish and that's it. it it's it's seriously super easy yeah. i don't even know why it took me a whole week when i did it for the first time 
<laughs> now, uh, I let Barbara go through that process, everybody, because it can be intimidating when you don't know. And it's like anything we do here. If you take the first step, step two and, two and three will come a whole lot easier and you'll wonder why you never did it before. Uh, now, we're about yep. to adventure off on our first um, digital nomad trip. And I think if you and I spoke again in a year, I'm going to say, why didn't we do that before? Uh, I just want to I'm ask sure one more question. That. Yeah, I want to ask one more question about your books. You said something about photographs, so you can have photographs in these books. Yeah, I don't. Well, um, when I said photographer, I, I was talking mainly about cover photos. Yeah. Um, you can have photos in, in the e-books. I never did that. Be one of the reasons is because um, you get um, less royalties. So I was always like, okay, yeah, why should I put photos in there if then I get less money from the little money that I get anyways? Um, what I did instead uh, was creating photo guides. I did that for my first 12 ebooks, uh, city guides. So I created photo guides so everybody who who subscribed to my newsletter could download any city guide, any photo guide that I had created um, and can still go there if, if you're still, you still have the link. If you subscribe once, you still have the link and then you can download all the new guides as well. Um, and then you can like put the ebook next to the photo guide and see the place and look at the photos in the photo guide. Yeah, so you get the photo guide for free and you buy the yeah. the guide, the yeah. written guide, for, yeah. I'm assuming, a couple of dollars. Yeah, I don't know in Australian dollars. It's um, €2.99. Yeah, so that's about $5, everyone, I think. Um, so that's that's pretty good, um, I, I should imagine, for what you do. It's not good for the work that you put in and the knowledge that you have, but as far as indie pricing goes, that that's fairly good. Um, you mentioned that the little bit that you get... Um, now, I know Amazon take their, their cut for, for, you know, you putting it up and everything. What sort of newsletter base have you got now? Because I'm assuming that would be really growing. It's um, Yeah, it's growing, um, definitely. Since I started this approach, it's growing. But I have uh, around 600 newsletter subscribers. It's not that much. I have way more followers on Instagram, for example, um, which, is, which is going okay. There yeah. I have almost... 40,000 followers. Yeah. Now, my my eye went to Barbara because of her Instagram. I found Barbara on Instagram. Or she found me, actually. I think you found me before I found you. I think that I don't know how it worked, but you turned up on my <laughs> feed. Uh, and I, I was very curious because I was, I was interested in what you do. So I just clicked on it and mm -hmm. now here we are. Uh, so do you think people aren't bothering as much with newsletters anymore that, that's more focused on social media? Yeah, I think that that's definitely true. And for me, as a let's let's just say creator, um, I enjoy much more to put my photos on Instagram, to share stories on my blog or on Facebook, um, than writing a new newsletter. Um, I try to put a call to action in the end, so I. I say, for example, I'm going back to Chiang Mai now. Um, tell me what's your favorite site in the north of Thailand and um, let me know where I should go, what I should visit, for example. So I have a little bit of interaction. But for me, a newsletter feels like there's not a lot going on, while on Instagram and on Facebook, 
And even on my blog, I have instant feedback. I have comments and I have likes and I have people writing me um, that they like what I do. While a newsletter, maybe I have a couple emails um, getting back to me from 600 that I send. So, yeah, yeah, and are people finding your guides through through your social media? Yeah. Yeah, I think they do. Yeah. I'm really happy to hear this, everybody, because I hate my newsletters. I hate having to write them <laughs> and I hate having to write blogs as well. That's why I podcast because I'm lazy. And I like you, I find interesting people through Instagram, not so much Facebook anymore because it's done something to yeah. its algorithms and, and I'm guessing that's going to be a dying breed there and nobody's going to go there except business people now and they'll have no customers because they've all moved on, um, which was rather yeah, silly of them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're out there, you're out there doing this travelling thing, you're out there digital nomad. If you're favouring things like Instagram, I'm guessing others are as well. Yeah. I th I think Instagram is uh, one of the most important platforms for us. Um, for me, for growing, like if you just talk about growth, Twitter is going better at the moment because Instagram as well has changed their algorithms. And I'm, I'm doing okay, but I'm not growing anymore, which is a bit uh, preoccupying. But I hope this will change again in the near future, and I'm already working on it. But, um, yeah, I think Instagram is, is and will be the most important platform for everybody who's working online in the near future. Yeah, and unless they change their algorithms and we all leave there as well, um, I find Instagram really, really easy, and I've almost given up on Facebook. Twitter, I get really annoyed because they say, oh, did you know such and such just tweeted about such and such to someone else? And I'm going, I don't care. <laughs> but, but I turned off all the notifications, and then it's okay. Uh, okay. And I'm really growing well there. So I, I get a couple hundred followers per day, new okay. followers. So you reckon turning off your notifications and that it might have a bit of a resurgence? <laughs> yes. Okay, you heard it here first at Rider on the Road. <laughs> there goes our notifications from Twitter. Uh, now, travelling solo, I'm, I'm jumping along now because I've used up a lot of your time and I just want to talk to you one last question about travelling solo. Everybody, we've got to have this lady back on. We will learn so much <laughs> and hopefully it will inspire some of us to step out and do. And it's all right to be an armchair traveller, um, but unless you get out there and do and meet people and challenge your own complacency, it's very hard yep. to grow as a person and there are some beautiful people out in this world. They may not be living in fancy houses and they may not be driving three cars, but the good, kind-hearted mm. people you'll always find because they will reach out to you. Um, and exactly. as a single woman, is that what you're finding? Uh, as a single woman, is that what I'm finding? Yeah. yeah that Was people... that the question? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, if, if, you, if you read my book, uh, My Trip Around the World, so the first book that I wrote, for example, it's all about exactly those moments when you're, when you meet somebody, like meetings are the, the best thing ever. That's what, what makes traveling so special that you meet people. You, sometimes you can't even communicate because you're not speaking the same language and you're trying your best to learn a few words in this other language, but it's not enough to communicate. And still with your hands and feet and mimics and gestures, you, you're able to create 
something like a like a relationship like friendship and it's amazing it's seriously amazing and sharing little things is what brings people together i think yeah and most we've got a wonderful place here called magnetic island in far north queensland where i lived for some time sitting on uh -huh. a beach watching a sunset with a bottle of champagne with my good friends you can't get it any better and it's free almost yeah yeah Yeah, I'm. I'm even okay without champagne. I'm, I just take the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> that's why she looks healthy and fit, and that's why I'm old and haggard. Everybody, she looks after herself and oh. healthy. <laughs> All right, um, I'm going to wind it up now. But I've only scraped the surface of of what this lifestyle is all about, um, and I'll certainly be digging a lot deeper. And you'll be hearing my stories as I go along. Barbara, um, if anyone wants to find out more, please go to Barbara's Instagram um, feed because it has some amazing, amazing photos. I knew you were in Bali okay. and I knew you were moving because I read it on Instagram. There's got to be a reason that a 56-year-old woman would look at this thing and read where this complete stranger is, you know. So whatever you're doing, you're doing really well. Um, I'm guessing your marketing is now strategic, Not really. I'm I'm still a creator. I love taking photos. I love writing, but I don't really like marketing. I could probably be way more successful, but I chose and I choose every day to go on creating instead of marketing what I created in the past. <laughs> yeah, and people find you anyway because you're a good person with a good heart, um, giving giving. And it's very obvious that you're giving, um, but enjoying life along the way. Um, follow your passion, guys, because it works. Um, the things you've got to watch yeah. out for, uh, you've got to watch out for tax tax issues in your own country. You've got to, is that, yeah. that's one of the things. I presume you've always mm -hmm. got to keep track of visas and all that sort of stuff as you go in and out of countries. Yeah. Yeah, and stop off at your local co-working space on the way to your Airbnb to find out the good oil on a place when you arrive there. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Where can we find you? Um, online. Yep. Barbaralicious dot com is my blog, and in social media is um, uh, unfortunately the name was taken in many networks. So Instagram is Barbaralicious, uh, Facebook is Barbaralicious blog, and Twitter is B Barbaralicious. I've got to ask, how could a name called Barbaralicious be already taken? And and it was three and a half years ago that I tried to take it in all the networks. I don't know. Yeah. And and I I tried to get Barbara Dishes on Twitter because it's a dead account. It's, somebody took it many years ago. I think there's like one tweet from 2009 or so. Um, no way. I even contacted Twitter several times. I said, look, I'm I'm an influencer. I'm having a blog called Barbaralicious, Can and this account is dead. This person doesn't use it. Can you please give me this handle? But they don't. <laughs> they don't answer. Someone will sell it to you one day. Um, now one got... day. One day when I have one million followers, maybe they will react. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Barbaralicious can yeah. be called Barbaralicious. Yeah. Just to give you an idea, everybody, Barbara's got 40,000 followers. I think I've got um, 900, uh, and it's taken me a long time to get them. <laughs> Um, being an influencer, you you said it, so now I've got to ask it. What does being an influencer mean? Um, I'm, I think um, it means that you have an influence, an impact on a special on your target group, on um, yeah, a special 
sort of people. And in my case, it's digital nomads. I want to influence other digital nomads. I want to make an impact on their lives. I want to show them where they can live beautifully and work beautifully and have an amazing work-life balance. How they can make the world their office. Yeah. Now, this amazing uh, work-life balance um, that Barbara has, she's sitting here looking beautiful. She's relaxed. She's in a tropical island. Is We can consider Thailand no, a tropical... No, Chiang Mai is in the mountains. Oh, Thailand. okay. She's in a tropical mountain, which is not tropical. It's a mountain. <laughs> um, but she... I'm going to stop now because I'm just... I'm going to cut all this out. I don't want anybody <laughs> to know it. <laughs> Um, all right. Thank you, Barbara, for sharing with us. As I said, I know I've only touched the surface and I know there's a lot more to it. Everybody, please go and check out Barbara's website and um, and her Instagram feed. You won't regret it. I'm about to buy the Travelling Solo book because that's your latest book, isn't it? Yeah. And- no, 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 no. That's, that's actually one and a half years ago that I published it. I'm sorry. <laughs> So which is your latest book? I am stuffing this up, everyone. Which is your latest um, big book? The latest, latest? I think the Bucharest Guide. Oh, no, um, I I just published uh, my trip around the world, my first book in English. That was my latest book, The Translation Uh of Life. And did you update it when you wrote it, when you wrote it in English? I, I had translators, so no, no updates. Ah, it says, the trip around the world, everybody, let's break our own hearts here. Eight months, 13 countries, 14 continents. Uh, I'm going to stop there because I've got nothing else to say and I'm just making more of a fool of myself. Barbara, you've been a fantastic (laughs) sport. I'm going to get off here and buy the Saigon um, guide. I'll give it to my daughter so that she can study up everything. Everyone, I've read something about house sitting as well in different countries. I'm sure that's a whole different story and you need to know stuff when you're house sitting in, in different countries, I should imagine. Um, just to keep yourself mm-hmm. safe, um, Barbara's got a book up there about travelling solo. I use house sitters all the time and I'm just amazed at the kindness. And I had a couple of German backpackers um, in my house for a month at Christmas. Um, beautiful, beautiful couple. And they're about to start a trip around Australia for nine months. My house was so much cleaner when um, they left than when we gave it to them. So it's, it's a great mm-hmm. way as long as it's equal giving, I should imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. I'm yeah. off to learn four more languages. Thank you, Barbara. You've been wonderful. <laughs> and we will talk to you again. Thank you. Okay. Bye for now. Bye.